You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, hope everybody had a great Christmas. Happy holidays, Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? And David Hall. It's the button on the left, Greg. Sorry, I was changing screens. After a week off for the holidays, we're back with all the info you've been coming here for. We'll see how iRacing is supporting their highest tech car, race car ever, the Mercedes W12 F1. We'll see how Dale Earnhardt Jr. is spending his time in iRacing and hardware products that may be just what you're looking for. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting the show notes. So we hope to see you there. Sim Coaches offers the most realistic sim racing equipment you need to win more races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals. And they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com. Use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car Drive harder and stay on the limit longer. All right, we'll dive into the last first topic of the year uh, with a video about how to MGU. I did give this video a watch, but it was actually before Christmas. So I, I'll see if I can remember everything. Uh, iRacing posted this video on their YouTube channel and it explained how the hybrid system works. So it's a little bit different than say an LMP1 where you can kind of just tell it when to, when to deploy. And it has several different settings from, from caution where there's no deploy at all to regen, where the computer basically focuses on, uh, trying to regain battery slows you down a little bit. Um, and then I think standard and attack. And that it basically it's, it just changes how aggressive you use up the battery. Um, and you're allowed up to four changes per lap. Um, and that's basically it. Yeah. And I found these settings finally in one of the F keys. I think it was F nine, F 10, uh, one of those over there. And, uh, like you said, there's a uh, attack, and I think there's balanced, and then there's the third one. And what you'll regen. also want to do, yeah, regen. You'll want to run a few uh, laps because the computer actually adjusts to your style as you're running the lap. Um, so it's if if you have a formula wheel, you probably want to set those modes to one of your rotary dials, where where you can kind of just put them in position. So didn't you get you a re, uh, formula wheel? Or are you still waiting on somebody to buy the ridiculously expensive one? I think I'm going to wait until uh, Fanatec offers the Bentley wheel and I'm going to order it the first day. 
I'd get the pedals first. I got hydraulic pedals. You do? I thought you had. Yeah. I thought you had low cell. Oh, I have the MPCC, which is main performance PC uh, from several years ones. ago. Those things are really old, like one of the original hydraulic. They're one of the original hydraulic pedal makers, yeah. They're no longer in business. But, you know, I spent like $1,200 on them. You know, when you spend that much money on SIM equipment, you kind of expect it to last. And uh, and I spent a lot of money on the 8020 and stuff to kind of mount them. So, um, and they they were great, so. Well, now that we know how the MGU system works, what about uh, launching at the beginning of a race, Mike? Yeah, so there's actually three videos here. The second one is how to start. Um, these are short videos uh, that they put out. Um, this one talks about doing the automated launch with the, the little clutch thing. You know, I, I struggle with this car, and I watched these videos, and I really couldn't go in and practice what I was trying to learn but because I have uh, – I just have the sequential shifter. I don't have paddle shifters. And so when I'm in this car, my hand is literally on the shifter most of the time because you got to shift with eight different gears quite a bit. Um, and I'm driving one handed. And to think about having to reach over and push a button and do this and that, it just doesn't work for me. So I need a, I need a proper wheel really to do this. Yeah. And if you get, I don't remember if the Bentley has the the analog paddles as well, but you you need that for the F1 launch because there's the way it works. You can basically create, you can have the clutch or the wheel memorize your bite point. It's yeah, that's what the video process. is teaching. Yeah, enough to get it rolling, and then the rest is to release all the power. And I, I even use that in the coming out of the pits and when I'm in the sports cars. It's actually it's it's handy in almost any of the road cars if you use them if you use it right. I guess we'll go on to the next video that uh, was posted on the iRacing uh, YouTube page as well. It just goes into um, kind of just the basics of setting up the car, uh, the feeling is up, the feeling of the setup and stuff like that. I mean, I looked at the actual all the stuff that you can set up on this car. It's a pretty sophisticated car to to go through, but. Uh, um, it's a quick watch. It's not a really uh, long video. It's in like a minute 40. Um, and it gives you a couple gists of what to do on it. But uh, I think most of this car is going to be about driving it uh, and getting used to it more than setting it up to a, a certain way for you, right? Yeah, I mean, the sets that are provided by iRacing, you know, I'm not worried about the setup when I drive this car. I am the, the, the problem, the driver, uh, if anything. Now, Greg, not only do they have the video, but there uh, is in the forums a post to the a link to those videos, but also a link to a user's manual, a PDF, 21 pages. And uh, I've been going through this owner's manual, just kind of looking at it. And initially, you know, it goes through what do you see on the wheel? Like, what is all the little numbers on the display mean? Uh, you know, they, you know, it gives what it shows and then it gives an explanation of what it actually does. And and then as you go down, it talks about the setup uh, screens, tire, arrow, uh, the different things that can be changed and, and really breaks it down. So if you're really wanting to learn it, this is the next step is to go to the user manual. It seems like at least they released this right away with this one because we kind of didn't have some of these things for a lot of these cars when they first came out, like. I think it took a while just to even get the LMP one. I don't even know if there is an LMP one on. I know there's an LMP two one, um, but you know 
these are slowly trickling out, but it's nice to have uh, these manuals uh, just to even get to know the car that way. Because you know, if you ask the question in the the forms, you'll get you'll get a sarcastic answer, you'll get a normal answer, you might get nothing. You, you never know what you're going to get in the forms uh, with people talking about them. There's a lot of work that goes into this documentation. I mean, this is somebody's full-time job, obviously, uh, to write this stuff up. Um, it, it makes sense that they're documenting probably as they build the car. They're, they're probably working on this user manual from day one, you know, uh, getting it ready. Uh, but it's thorough. I'm very impressed. What, um, who's, uh, do you know who was doing that video, who the driver was that was doing that video? Does anybody recognize the voice? For all the videos? No, I don't recognize it. <laughs> I gathered that from the silence. It was kind of telling. Yeah. Well, you know, the people listening later, the silence gets cuts out. But uh, it's not Chandler. That's about all. He's, him and Greg are the only voice. Greg West are the only voices I'm super familiar with. Nim, Nim and Sam never talk in the Winter League. Well, Christian, you can really tell because of his accent. That's um. So this is a pretty... Uh, a pretty good guide as far as this car goes. Um, if you're not super familiar with uh, F1 cars, um, like I am, um, it'll it'll give you a really good uh, break into to uh, what these cars are really like and what you know what you got to do with them. Um, because you know, am I am I not right wrong? This this is ser- this is without a doubt the most complicated car in the, in the sim, right? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, the LMP1 probably similar. LMP1 is pretty, I would guess it's more, it, I think maybe because of over time, like this car eventually will become, you know, well known as we go into it. But the LMP1 is, is basically just an engine with a boost button. It's kind of, it doesn't have the, the you know, the, the, the setup technology that, I guess it would be pretty similar though, wouldn't it, David? The setup is very close. complicated. Um, the only difference is that it's base, it's a manual boost rather than, than an automated boost. Well, and, and, and a ticket-based boost, right? Like you only got four tickets to, to cash in a lab. Yeah, essentially. And with the LMP, it's, you just have a certain amount of energy that you're allowed to use each lap and a certain amount of uh, battery. And at most tracks, it ends up being the battery that's the bigger factor and more than the amount you're allowed to use. It's kind of close at Le Mans because of the huge long straights. Well, and I think the thing is, is in F1, they're so restricted by never having to fuel it. It makes, you know, these cars, these cars could probably have another 400, 500 horsepower without even thinking about it if they didn't have to worry about uh, not running out of fuel by the end of the race. So, you know, trying to make sure a car finishes a race with the fuel and and the hybrid working all together, it I think it just makes it more of a, a complicated car uh, strategy wise or driving wise. Yeah, I get you because I mean, heck, I'm used to running. Most of my races are you know fixed oval races, and uh, you know you you pretty much start the engine and that's pretty much it. You know you might do some tire options and stuff like that maybe change your uh, uh steering ratio or something like that but you know once i get moving it's i'm racing and that's pretty much all there is to it i don't have to think about all this other stuff to me it seems really complicated if it's if it's a little intimidating if it's something that you're not not used to or not not been 
not been uh, immersed in already. Well, that's the thing, Brian. It's like I was trying to describe how I was driving the car. I got one hand on my shifter. I got one hand on the wheel. I need to hit F10 and, you know, click from balance to attack, you know, because I want to pass the guy in front of me. I need like four hands or something to drive this car. I think the difference, though, for you, Mike, is the fact that you haven't run one of the LMP cars or the and stuff like that to, to you know, f- already be accustomed to some of the stuff you got to do while you're driving them. Right. It's all new. And then when week 13 ended, you know, the F1 car races that were available were all official. And then I'm like, boy, I really don't want to sacrifice my road I reading just to run this, keep running this car. So I quit running it. Well, staying in the F1 world, we've got a video from Max Verstappen. It was an interview on YouTube where the new F world one world champion Verstappen, he was asked, what does he do when he's not in the car? And his answer was sim racing. He talks about the red line racing team and working the technique and setups for the sim racing. I didn't get to listen to the whole video, but I caught about the first couple of minutes and he was talking about, Hey, he likes coming on here and, and having to raise his level because the sim racers are better than him on the sim. Yeah. Fascinating to hear that, that he, he, he's saying that, you know, the sim racers on the sim are setting the benchmark and he's striving to get to that benchmark. And then that in turn makes him a better racer in real life. And so it's kind of, you know, training for one to the other and, and it goes back and forth. But the way he talks about it, sim racing is harder than real racing. Well, it's because you don't have, you don't have the, the same G-force f- feedback or and the same visibility, even with whether it's VR or triples. But, you know, when David Coulthard's like, well, you know, you're famous, you're rich, you know, you can go anywhere in the world, you could go to the beach, you know, it's it's your holiday, you know, what are you doing? Oh, I'm, we're sim racing. Well, how many, yeah. uh, how many cup drivers are running Monday night racing right now? A few. What I was, what I was really impressed and um, was that the way he talks about sim racing, um, you know, he has a certain respect for it that you don't always get from some of those guys racing on Monday nights um, or, or they used to be in the, the pro series when the, when the NASCAR drivers were doing it. And that's what I really liked about the interview. Just, just his respect for the thing, for the, for the sim and uh, you know, how, how highly he regards it as something that he can use to get better himself and something that, um, you know, that he respects the other drivers for their ability. You know, these guys are never going to be racing F1 with him, but he sees that they have some innate ability that may not ever transfer into real life, but he respects that in his own way. Here, Mike, I'll make it this way. So he's in his off season, right? Well, what if, what if you're a baseball player? What does a baseball player when they're done their last day of their baseball season? Do they just pack it up and wait till spring training? No, they find batting cages to go to. They find places to go and keep their, their skills up. They work out. They do all those things. It's just another level of him finding something else to do to keep his his skills up and, and something to do on, on the, you know, you can work out so much. You can do simulator time at, at you know, when they do sim work, they just do setups and stuff like that. They don't race other people. They don't race other things to know, um, you know, other people's tendencies because imagine how many different, uh, looks at a track he's getting by racing uh, people on the sim here. So it's just another way for his brain to get 
and his and his driving skills to get a little bit of exercise when he's on his downtime. So when we were chatting about this video this week, um, I brought up his iRacing stats because uh, I was curious. And that number that I always talk about when we have a guest on, what's your overall winning percentage? 54% for Max Verstappen. 54%. And then Adam Jocelyn's like, oh, I beat Max in a, in a super late model race. So I guess that means... Uh, Adams helped uh, helped him get to that number. <laughs> now the question is: Is there any context to that? We never asked Adam if there was context. To, was was you can say you beat him? Did he wreck out? I, you know, I'm not trying to downplay what Adam said, but there was no context to what he beating him. No, he didn't. What say. was the definition of beating him? Well, I have beat uh, who is it? Tony Kanon a few times, but it was because he wrecked out. You're a winner. Yeah, over the holiday, I raced uh, Dale Jr. once. He he wrecked out, so I technically beat him. We got uh, we got something for him coming up soon on on this. Anyway, that was a great video by Max. I, I really respect this guy. Um, the I mean, he's serious about sim racing. I mean, it, he's just as serious about it as F one. It, it's not a, a game to him. But I wonder if he still has fun while he's doing it. Well, that's the next video here. Uh, and this is Will from Down Under, Will Ford at Boosted Media. He posted up a video of how to make iRacing way more fun. From etiquette to learning from faster drivers and racing smarter to learning the limitations of the software itself. And kind of a fun watch to, to try to, you know, hey, I don't want to get, you know, dragged down. I'm getting, iRacing is getting stale. He, he gives you some ideas to kind of work around that. And etiquette's a big part of it. Yeah, I think he could have renamed this How to Make iRacing uh, Less Frustrating <laughs> because a lot of the, his tips are really good tips for staying out of trouble. You know, um, one, one of the things that I, I really liked that he was talking about was knowing the limitations of the software, not necessarily the other drivers. You know, you know that um, netcode is a thing and it can happen. How to avoid being putting yourself in a situation where netcode net can affect your race, you know, Noticing that, you know, realizing that other drivers might not have three monitors or VR where they can have a good field of view around them, you know, you know, try to see what see how people are driving around you, whether you have a, a an idea whether they might have issues with uh, with uh, vision or anything like that. And all these things that um, that he he just he just goes through these things to make it less frustrating, you know, be that you're you're involved in less less uh, problems less wrecks and that's the kind of thing that really can can make this sim very frustrating yeah we see the post in the facebook groups all the time from the new guys that are super frustrated just trying to get out of rookie or or just got out of rookie and they can't finish a race kind of thing and, and they're just about ready to hang it up and and they're the ones who could really benefit from this video, I think. Because, like you said, it gives you a lot of tips and tricks of how to mentally approach these things, you know. Well, David, I, me and you raced the other day uh, at Le Mans there, that, one, that last race we raced. And racing with that one guy, could you imagine if someone that was, like, really frustrated with that kind of drive, racing that guy, what it would have been like for them behind the wheel? Like, I mean, me and you were chatting about it while we were racing, but, you know, there was some... There were some moments that someone was, he was really aggressive for an, a race that was an hour long. And he didn't finish. 
I got I pitted as soon as we got in the window just to get away from him. And by the time I came out, I was eight about ten seconds ahead of him. And that doesn't there you go. Yeah, that doesn't always work undercutting because the car is always faster when it's lighter on fuel. So but it um I just got out of I was losing laps time to him getting stuck beside him. Yeah, I'm having a couple laps by yourself that you can run your pace rather than someone else's helps it too. All right, I think we got a Dale Jr. trifecta coming up. Yeah, so uh, uh, who, who's ever excited about being wrecked out in iRacing? Well, most of the times you aren't. But um, Chris Palmer, he posted this video where he was actually excited that he got wrecked out because it was by Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, so uh, if you're watching this race here, uh, he's he's well behind Jr. Jr.'s up at the front. Uh, he ha- Jr. has problems. He hits the wall and, uh, you know, carnage happens a little bit. And Jr. peels off the wall right in front of him. And t- this guy just T-bones him. But um, so uh, – and actually, you can hear uh, Dale's apology on the radio. He's uh, saying, uh, man, I'm so sorry about this or whatnot. But um, everybody, everybody seems to give Junior a pass that they don't always give other people when they're racing sim. It's funny that he was in that three car, too. Was it oh. a league race or was it a – because it's kind of convenient that he is the three car. Either league race or unofficial where where it just takes your number, whatever you pick. Yeah, he was – the guy who got wrecked out – um by dale jr on the radio he was just like oh don't you worry about it kind of thing i'm happy to be exactly exactly (laughs) well here's my goal here's my new goal my 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 2022 goal is to get wrecked by dale jr and parlay it into getting him to come onto the show now when i i mentioned i raced him uh over the last couple weeks i forget what it was i think it was oh it was pickup cup it was pickup cup and he got wrecked out in the first lap, uh, but he was starting like uh, one row ahead of me on the outside, and I tried to talk to him. I, um, but he apparently didn't have his ears on because uh, he didn't respond. Too much fame coming from you, Mike. The intimidating Podfather. <laughs> he's he's uh, he's our paparazzi. Is what I, I was trying is. to get an interview right there. You know, it's like, <laughs> I, I did that to Travis and Kyle Bush at the at the race the other day. Mike, Mike Davis has got your name flagged so that Junior doesn't uh, doesn't respond to anyone named Mike Ellis. That's it, because I've hit up Mike Davis. Trust me, you have a better chance of getting an interview from Mike Joy than Mike Davis. Oh, we haven't been too kind to Mike Joy, have we? That's what I'm saying. Anyways, let's go to the next video here. Uh, we got uh, another one of uh, Junior's uh, videos here where he's in the 87 car. Uh, and he's going at, uh, this is Daytona. They're going for, he's going to go from 15th to 4th uh, with two laps to go in the Firecracker 400. I guess, oh, that was for the e-ra- uh, their e-racer race. And, uh, what a carnage for two laps to, <laughs> for him to drive through here. It's kind of crazy uh, where he finally picks his spots. He kind of just, it kind of just opens up for him. It kind of reminds me. Of like the of Thunder style. I, I love mean, how they like, do that replay where the ca- camera rotates too. I just, he just found spots after spot where to put the car and it just kept going and forward. Well, his dad could see the air. I think he could see the smoke. Well, I mean, he jun- junior had the same, I would have loved to see him and his dad race longer together to see what they would have done at restrictor plate races together. But that was a, 
that was something I was just thought about. But anyways, I mean, these cars are so much fun. We've we've run them a bunch here last lately. But uh, this track, these guys are all top-notch drivers, too, that he's up against. And to go from 15th to 4th is unbelievable. Makes me think, watching this video, listening to you talk, about Dale Earnhardt Sr., if he was still alive today, and we put him in iRacing to run this 87 car, what would he think of it? I have a feeling he would be out on the ranch working with the cattle rather than running his. He's on the rig. tractor, right? <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't be. He wouldn't have anything to do with uh, the sim Damn racing computer. stuff. <laughs> Wasn't he the one who grabbed the laptop and threw it? I think he was. I don't know if, if I, if, you know, I might be getting it wrong here, but I think he was opposed to some of the technology that was coming in, even though that the sport was turning more into an engineering role over the years. Some of the stuff, I think, from Andy Petrie, when Andrew Petrie was his crew chief, it was some of the radical stuff he wanted to do, Dale didn't want to, didn't want to do at the time. But I, I think if sim racing would be just something Dale would not not even care for. It's like, it's like Mike and tracks being uh, taken out of the sim. But if there was money involved, he might, he might do it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Somebody paid him to get in it. He probably would do it. Well, we definitely know that uh, the the junior loves to run the iRacing, and this is another guy that's excited to uh, suffer at the hands of Dale. <laughs> uh, we got a tweet from Phil at Ultra Racing Phil. Is uh, my brother losing to Dale Jr. will now forever be memorialized at our grandparents' house as Pop is a fan of both drivers, and they have a they took a picture, they made a picture out of the iRacing post with uh and it looks well produced too because it's got that focus out of focus kind of look on the track but the car the cars are in focus and it's a uh, neck it's like a photo finish at the line and it's in the, fil the filter time car that's pretty uh that's pretty iconic uh image there to have for some reason and so grandpa is holding up a a really large framed picture probably like uh you know 15 by 20 or something and uh, it's printed on there, and you can see that filter time car just edging out, you know, the other guy, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a that's a real close finish. That's got to be like a thousandth or something like that. I wonder if it was enough to get the uh, what do you call them? Those little those cards that you get for uh, close finishes, like the stuff that you know you get ten in a row uh, races with IR bump um, certificate stuff. Yeah. If you've got, he got it from that. But this presents a great idea for artwork for my sim room, you know, for my racing office. I've always thought about getting a, a large printed uh, picture or frame, framed picture to hang on the wall of some kind of racing something. And so a image from a win at a sim race is kind of a neat idea. Like, Maybe I take an image of me winning the Southern 500 and then, you know, blow it up and frame it kind of thing. Here, here's an idea, Mike. This is this is something I was thinking when I saw what uh, um, Kyle was able to do. Now, I wonder how how big he can get those prints out. But if you wouldn't say you, you're you're always the you know the man at Daytona. You were talking the other day about how many you have in a row at Daytona the last couple of years. What if you won it tight at Daytona and got a big track size one? Or you could take a photo and put it in the center of it. It looks like the infield is the photo of your win and have the outside of the track is the 
you know, the frame. Oh yeah. Um, I actually know a business. I think it's called qbhome.com that can print stuff like this. Like you can send her an image and she'll print it onto a board or laser etch it onto a board. So lots of good ideas. One of those guys could get that thing signed by junior. That would be cool. Yeah, I would. If I was him, I'd be in contact with uh, Davis on the uh, thing and try and get uh, he maybe mailed out and mailed back. Yeah, and then when they contact Mike Davis, tell him Mike Ellis is. Yeah, keep Mike <laughs> Ellis off of the off of the return address or name or anything. David, don't shake your head. Come on. Okay, next up, Christmas has arrived in the Ellis household. Santa did come, and Santa delivered to me. From Bob Pockrass, a tweet that NASCAR is going to ditch the 550 horsepower package in favor of the new 670 horsepower package. With foreign spoiler, I believe. Hallelujah. This is the (laughs) first time a male is excited to go from lose two inches on something and be okay with it. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) But wow. I didn't think they would do it. I, I just I had given up hope, I think. I mean, I think there was enough negative talk between those speed weeks of how slow that car felt for those guys, and they just needed, they knew they couldn't, they couldn't just do whatever they wanted to and, and let the drivers talk bad about it. So a couple of questions come up. As you just said, Greg, it was the testing, that they, the off-season testing they've done in the new car, and that's what led to the decision. But I want to ask, did having the next-gen car in iRacing for the last eight months or however long factor into the decision and the negative discussion that may have occurred from that? Did that factor in? I, I hope so. I mean, either way, it does, whether it did or not, uh, they, I think they made the right choice. But, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just the iRacing community. The podcasts that cover the sport that we listen to quite a bit we're harping on it with the old package even that that if you don't have to get off the throttle it's just not good racing right you get a lot of driver innuendo you know people saying stuff like that right there wasn't innuendo the uh the guys on <laughs> the guys on Dole Bumper clear didn't didn't dodge it at all they they pretty much said it sucks so off season i racing in this car all of a sudden feels different. Brian, we talked about this a little bit. It, it feels like we're learning bad habits if we run this 550 package because it's going away. Yeah, I, I, it, it, makes you, it makes me not want to run the 550 the way it is right now um, because I, it's going to be a different car. And if, if you expect to, you know, if you're, if you're so used to running it a certain way, you know, and then you get to this new, uh, new higher horsepower, lower downforce version of it, you know, you might not be ready for it. I don't know. To me, to me right now, it doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense to run this, um, next gen car with, uh, with the outdated, uh, package on it when, uh, when hopefully uh, I'm assuming before the NIS season starts, they will have that all, uh, all uh, patched up and ready to go for us. Yeah, I, I've already skipped out of all the races that we've had league-wise in the new car just because it I, I, doesn't interest me now to, to spend any time in that package. Um, so definitely, I, I 
guess well, I mean we're already close to NIS anyway. What six weeks away? So they'll probably wait until they've got all the rest of the stats uh, before they update it instead of throwing out just a quick horsepower patch. Don't they have an Atlanta test yeah, before the Phoenix test and Daytona? All these tests that they still got to do. Yeah, there's a Phoenix test I was invited to. I want to say mid January. And so, yeah, so that's the next question. When is iRacing going to update the car? Um, Probably I mean, just before the, uh, the the clash or whatever. Another question is, what else has changed besides the spoiler and the horsepower? I mean, that should be an easy fix, right? Or easy fix for iRacing. The answer is we don't know. Isn't there some of those, in, like, some of the way the air goes around the vehicle because they're using... I guess I don't know if it changes anything with the the new the get what they're doing to get the heat out of the car and stuff like Cooling, that inside. Yeah. I don't know if any of those ducts have to be added to the car visually. Um, at least they've updated the number for the painting part of it, so you get the number where you want it on the car when you're racing in it. But you know there could be a bunch of changes all of a sudden coming, and it's obviously it's going to be a mid-season change too because it'll be before season two, right? So. I wonder if they're they're not going to be allowed to put tape on and off this car because you, as it is in iRacing right now, that's not a choice, even in open setup. I don't think they know what. I, I would guess they would be able to put tape on it because it just doesn't make any sense not to. It's not. It's got a front balance that could do it. The only other thing I'm going to throw out here for iRacing and NASCAR is. I don't know what they're trying to do with the steering in this car. I mean, it is so light that you can't feel anything. It's just a numb feeling in the steering when you drive this car. And I just wish they would just make it a little bit more like other race cars because you can't feel anything. You can't feel the track. You can't feel that uh, the, the bumps and the, the tire slip and all that stuff that we're used to. I think the problem is, is we're so used to the old steering setups on these cars they went modernized with what a road gt style uh steering rack would be on it so i don't think I, that's the right tree though because i can feel the force back in a gt yeah, yeah. I, I and when i ran the short track in the in this car i had to turn the thing to a hundred and turn it all the way up in the sim just for it to feel normal all right i don't have to do that with a gt car that's way but, exaggerated. But they have said that they have made cho- changes to a lot of that from all those podcasts we listens to and stuff like that to get a different feel to it. So just something maybe iRacing hasn't updated for it, right? I hope. I hope that's the case. I hope that the, there's feeling coming back to the steering. Because if we have that, if, if they can get the steering feeling a little bit decent and we have the higher horsepower, this might be fun. I mean, we might have fun this year. Well, who knows? Like, I mean... I don't know. I mean, David, Brian, Mike, all all your car, your personal cars probably nowadays are pretty much close to being electric steering. So, you know, where at some point does that come in play at some point in a race car someday where you'd have no feel at all, where there's a connection between the front and the, the front tires and something, right? I've tried to drive my sim with no force feedback before when my wheel fails and it's hard. It's really hard to do. And they, say, and they say that it's preferred, though, isn't it? A lot of the guys that race the highest tiers, they don't run force feedback. Yeah, because they're not getting the bouncing of the wheel on the on the, the different variations of the track, and it slows them up a little bit so they can hold their wheel straight. Um, 
when they go over bumps. Right. But um, but yeah, this is get, a pretty that cool takes a knack, I think, to do that. You have to train yourself to do that or something. Hit the yeah, next one, Brian. And, all right. So uh, this is a this is a really cool story. So um, Dason Persley, he's a um, he's a USAC midget race driver, race car driver, and uh, man. I, he last last uh, summer at Arizona Speedway, he he had a horrific tr- crash. Um, if you look it up, uh, uh, his name and Arizona Speedway, they have the YouTube video of this crash. It's just it's just horrible. Well, he 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 took some serious um, spinal cord injury in that in that race, and um, he's kind of trying to get ba- bounced back. And the way he's done it is um, the WR1 racing simulators with Chad Wheeler and Jonathan Davis. They sent him a racing simulator. So he's climbing into this racing simulator as a way to start get back to normal, you know, get some racing in him again. I'm not sure if he'll ever be able to race again or not, but but this will be really cool for him to do. And uh, man, what a what a what a cool uh, cool thing for WR1 racing simulators to do. Yeah, great to you know to give that to this kid. Uh, he's wearing a neck brace, so obviously he's got some kind of problem around the neck area and so his neck is stationary but he's able to sit in the rig and looks like he's gonna go eye racing yeah and he's a young kid um i think he was 17 um when this crash happened so he's a young young kid apparently he was an up-and-comer too somebody really showed a lot of potential um so uh man it was again it was just a terrible wreck and um it's really cool that he can start to get back to some kind of racing um because you know the racer, you know, racing might leave the racer, but it's never the other way around. You always want to be a racer, whether you can do it or not, if you have that mentality. That track is fun. I've been there a couple of times. It's only about 20 minutes from where I live. I did see that um, in one of the follow-up posts that his uh, neck brace has been removed. So he's off of his neck brace now, which is a good sign. All right. Hoping for a full recovery with him. We'll hopefully, hopefully see him on the track. Greg, looks like the next thing we have is a new iRacing commercial. Yeah, I was wondering when we were they were going to update the uh, the old commercial. They've had they were they was pretty good, but this one uh, once again they are able to capture the essence of iRacing perfectly and uh, uh, really enjoy that they've included some like sim race. They've actually come in included some of the streams of some of the people in the sim too, just to show their you know. Community. What it's all looked like from the community from all of it. They've shown all the different types of cars and things like that, all the close racing, and uh, it definitely brings out uh, the 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 racer feeling when you watch it. And <laughs> my bet, my favorite part, and I don't know if you guys think the same thing, but when they show the '87 car crash and it lifts up and wrecks past the start finish line, it, t- it kind of just blowover. <laughs> the blowover just makes me laugh because it was such a huge thing when it first came out and. Uh, they made it look really well in this uh, video. It's a real fast-paced edit, too, where, you know, they show four or five different shots a second, and they kind of highlight a lot of the new content. Like, you get a shot of the the bull at the Red Bull ring, and then you get a shot of Phoenix with the neon cactus, and a lot of the new content that just came out this year. So pretty cool to, to get highlights of that as well. I thought... Um... It was noticeably missing the F1 car, though, right? I saw some of the other formulas, like the Formula 2000, I think it was. That's but I true. didn't see the F1. And you would have I'm, thought that there would be something they would really I'm want to push. I'm guessing it was made before that was released. Probably. 
probably. But then again, Phoenix and all that's in. Oh no, Phoenix was released before this patch, was it not? Yes. Yeah, we had it for season, so. Interesting. Okay, next up is want to give up some I rating? Robbie Swan posted his thoughts and experiences of the asphalt, asphalt sprint cars and why it may be the most overlooked car in the sim. Now, I happen to agree with this guy. If you've been a listener for a while, you know that more than a year ago, I experimented by running the sprint asphalt sprint cars in season three and lost all my I rating. And, I, and here it is a year later, and I still have not recovered from that. I, I saw this um, the headline you posted for this uh, topic. Want to give up some I rating? I was like, I know Mike wrote that because when he started this uh, sprint car series, he was donating I rating like like it was nobody's business. But part of the reason you did, Mike, is because they have such a dedicated small group of racers who do that so regularly that they're really good, and you know it's going to be hard to crack into that. Um, into those drivers when, when that's, that's what their deal is. That's, that's how they like to run. You just hit the nail on the head. I mean, you show up at one of these races, you're going to finish last. I, I don't care who you are. Um, these guys have it going on. Like you said, they're dedicated. They've been running these cars for a long time. They're really good at them. And uh, if you think you're going to stroll in there and, and finish in the top five or something, you have another thing coming. Um, and that's what I did. I strolled in there like I knew what I was doing, and I, I was lucky not to finish dead last. If I finish, you know, second to dead last, that was a good race. But like you said, all my I rating went away. But anyway, uh, we got this note from Robbie Swan, who had found the community in the in the series, and he, he's like, "Wow, this is gold," and he's right, it is gold. But um, I, I replied to Robbie. I told him, you know, I, I really love what Jeffrey Stanton and those guys are doing over there, but I wish it was a league. I wish it was out of official um, because then that messes me up for NIS and other series that I'm trying to do in official. Um, but, boy, if they had a league ban, I don't care if I finished dead last or second to dead last in, in Jeffrey Stanton's league of, you know, asphalt sprint cars. So I hope Jeffrey's listening. Uh, make it league, dude. Well, that's yeah, where you I mean, make an alt account. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Uh, they're 50% off if you want a new membership. <laughs> so, but but you, you make a great point. But this this series runs like a league in the official, um, under the official umbrella. True. Just because it's the same people all the time, every week, it seems like, right? And same time and date. It's Tuesday nights. Uh that they run uh, specifically and they have other days, Thursdays and Sundays that they run. And so they kind of meet for a high SOF kind of race because otherwise, if you show up for a sprint car race, there's nobody there. Uh, if you guys have looked, nobody runs this car. But if the thing problem is if they do a league, then nobody runs it even on those nights when they're running it, that might be the, the end of it. True. Kind of, uh, yeah, maybe I should give the second account. That would work. Well, the uh, next thing we're going to hit, in I'm probably going to slaughter this pronunciation, but uh, I'm just going to guess that it might actually be a Latin origin. Um, iRacing acquires Arantes Games, which is the developer of a racing game, Drag, and they also have a proprietary game engine. 
It was announced on the twenty the twenty second of December that they acquired him. It, this company was originally founded by Christian and Thorsten Folkers in twenty sixteen, and they released an early access version of their game Drag in twenty twenty, and on the digital game distribution site Steam. It it's built upon a proprietary game engine, and this online racing game features high fidelity, next generation graphics, and advanced vehicle physics. Wow. Basically what iRacing needs to do to take the next set. Is it? I think this is more of a, for me, looking at this, I think this has to do with a lot of visual um, stuff that they want to accomplish down the road with making the cars react to a track more realistically. I don't know if it's a full graphics overhaul as to maybe more of like a suspension movement overhaul and tire overhaul. I think we don't have any idea because I think sometimes these these acquisitions are about acqui- acquiring the talent, the two developers, Christian and Thorsten Folkers. Maybe it's just to get them on the team. The only way to do it was to buy out their company. Maybe that's it. Or maybe it's like you said, maybe they're buying a new you know game engine that can that they're going to turn into iRacing's new game engine who knows i mean it's hard to say well but to have a i'm sorry to have a a brand new game engine uh high fidelity uh graphics and advanced physics when they started this company in 2016 and we're only in 2021 that alone is pretty amazing and when you look at the video that was provided of the gameplay it looks pretty freaking cool i was going to say mike imagine these guys working on say mount washington with their you know their background what they've could have done with that type of uh both their uh fidelity here what it would maybe uh look like right yeah because they have a far off view like if you look at the video you can see stuff close up in the distance but you can see mountains and stuff in the far far distance too yeah um have have you ever heard of iRacing acquiring another company or a game no. engine type of deal? I've nope. never heard this of that is it. before. First time. And it looks like um, these guys maybe specialize in off-road racing, dirt racing. Could that could that mean that iRacing is looking into like uh, those kind of uh, like long endurance uh, off-road point races? Point-to-point yeah. point racing. Uh, that's, a lot, that's a lot of work to make an open map that something long, right? Like, just look at yeah. the undertaking of uh, the Nürburgring, like trying to do Norse or trying to do that, like at 11 kilometers. Imagine trying to do one of those, like Dakar type rally events or something like that. Who knows? But I mean, it, it to me, it just points that they're looking to um, to revamp or expand in some way that, that they're, they're not into right now. Right. Is this a way of taking iRacing to console or some other what thing? You know, there's a there's a million different things that this could be. And and the announcement doesn't really tell us uh, what the plan is. But the fact that they mention they now own the proprietary game engine, you know, that rings a bell to me. Well, and if you just look at the 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 way that they've uh, sculpted sculpted these two cars that we have on the screen here, racing like the suspension geometry and stuff like that the way it works and shows on the track is is awesome yeah and and apparently it impressed somebody at iRacing um so that's that's really cool i think this is a this is a sign of good things one way or the other 
It is. And they have money to spend, obviously. That's another good sign. True that, too. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we're going to move on to the Pro Series. Um, this is the uh, the um, Road to Pro uh, Contender Series has wrapped up. And uh, Colin Keister takes the championship. Uh, so he's going to be returning to the uh, Coke Series next season. Um, also, uh, he's going to be joined by one of the, another Elliott Sadler esports driver, um, Liam Brotherton. So, um, yeah, so I tried desperately. I tried for like 10 minutes to try to find the full results of this series. And I could not find them anywhere. They're not as easily accessible as they are for like your regular uh, um, championship series. So I, I'd like to see more names of who's going to be in the Coke series next year. I just wasn't able to track it all down. So, um, so I'm sure it'll, we'll be able to figure all that out soon enough. You know, definitely before the Coke series starts. But yeah, so uh, congratulations to Colin. He's going to be back in there with the uh, with the other pro guys. Yeah, there's other drivers that are new to the Coke series besides who we just mentioned. Uh, but these were just a couple I put in there. I did watch the race. Uh, it was inevit- uneventful, I guess I'd say. But um, yeah, looking forward to Coke. Let's move on. Winter NIS kudos. From uh, Matt Busa, Coke uh, Series driver Matt Busa, showed off a video of his photo finish win in the 1987 Winter uh, NIS Series. Um, and he said, it's the most fun racing I've had in years. Check out this door banging finish. Uh, had 3% left on my right rear tire. Dale Jr. and iRacing did an amazing job on the updates to this car. Give it a try. Yeah, Matt doesn't run NIS, but every time we've been in the winter NIS, every time I've been on there, he's been running in the front of the top split. Heck, when we ran that North Works World, he would have ran away with that by a couple laps if he didn't get injured or uh, wrecked. Yep. And we've had some fun in the winter NIS, Greg, uh, this year. I think those cars are just a blast because it's complete mechanical. It just, there's nothing, nothing aerodynamic feel about it it's all the heavy you get the heavy steering the car does you know does what it wants to do on throttle and it just feels i don't know there's just something to feel about it it's just so much more fun it's a driver's car yeah so the next thing we have uh it's interesting because we've been in a league like similar to this iRacing posted on their twitter account a fun league idea running the old riley dp at oval tracks and we've done something similar in the radicals right uh, it's kind of interesting sometimes taking these, uh, taking the road cars and putting them on the ovals. Oh yeah, radicals at Darlington is a blast. It's actually faster down on the apron than it is up on the banking. Everybody hates on ovals until they get on it with a road car or another car. Everybody's got to hate on it, and then we got to put all these different series on it. Week thirteen had had the GT threes at ovals. And, that was fun. Yeah. And at Charlotte, it was actually kind of more like plate track racing, except you could actually bump draft. I mean, you could sit there and shove the car all the way around the corner and because of the wing, it wouldn't spin out. Am I the only one that misses these old DP cars? Like they were a nice car to drive for uh, before the LMPs came. But um, yeah, it's it'd be an interesting idea to have a series of that. Uh, yeah, I've run this kind of stuff and hosted a lot uh, on weekends. Uh, there's that one guy, Chris McGuire. He puts up a lot of interesting combinations, and this is one of them. What track is that? I think they are at Kansas or Kentucky, maybe. 
Kentucky. Yeah, it's Kentucky if it's got a green wall, I think, yeah. Hashtag soon, Greg. Yeah, so we got a video on the Mercedes AMG Twitter page. Uh, obviously, they kind of are teasing their uh, next gen for ne- or next year's car. I guess they got did their first firing of their 2022 car, uh, the W13. Uh, said they're firing up the 22 F1 car for the first time. The W13 is alive. So I uh, kind of interesting to to hear it start um kind of odd because you know it, hearing it start is basically the same as uh the old car because it's basically the sole, same old engines that are going to be in it they're just a different it's more people are more anticipated the outside of the car which they won't show until probably february late season, probably probably. February. well i think they start up in march so they usually are about a month ahead just before uh, they do their uh, first testing. I think the biggest thing that I'm interested about these cars is just like NASCAR, they're going to a big 18-inch diameter rim, right? It'll be interesting to see these cars with a bigger rim. So my question is, how much does iRacing have on paper already for this car? You know what I mean? Have they already started? Do What do they have in the in the can, so to speak? Or do they have anything yet at all? I'm guessing this is probably a late, later on this year, like late, late this year, because they want that other one to breathe for a while, right? Yeah, you could. Yeah, that could be. Or they could treat it like the tracks and just up, upgrade it to the newest one. Yeah, and just get rid of it so Mike doesn't like it. We'll just get rid <laughs> of the older one. That works. Somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna want to go back and run that 2021 <laughs> car specifically to have a historical race. But it has to be at the old Phoenix too, right? And the old Watkins Glen that gets retired. Well, and if we do have an open wheel championship with the Mercedes, you know, which car are they going to use? I mean, do do they wait till later in the year until the the neck the other car is released and then do it with that one? I'm guessing that's a 2023 championship car, but I don't. Who knows if they even go to this F1 car as a championship car? I mean, they've had different series. They've had other cars they could have done championship series with, but they chose chose to do it in the Porsche, pretty much the Porsche series because Porsche paid for it, right? Unless I would guess they would go to the Mercedes if Mercedes was going to throw some money at it. Yeah, I think it's about money, right? Uh, I mean, we had a sponsor for the Delara Jet Car series. It was the. Uh... Dynam- Force Dynamics. I still love that name that you gave it. It's stuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> I kind of really think that uh, they're going to get a big sponsor if they do a championship series with this car. I mean, it's you just... You think so? Logitech. Yeah, it's going to get a big money sponsor. I- I'm almost certain of that. I'm wondering if at some point... like, Do you think at any point down the road... Do you think this car gets a competitor car in iRacing? Like another, you know, does Red Bull let them let you scan Red Bull and be have Red Bull versus Mercedes on here or something like that? Um, I mean, if I was the owner of one of those other teams, yeah, I mean, what Mercedes has one up on them now. They have a car in iRacing and I don't. Why, why isn't my car in iRacing, you know? See, I hear that there's also the possibility of what Audi VW buying one of the teams. I wonder if they, you know, a big manufacturer, like another big company manufacturer that's a car manufacturer has a, gets a something scan like that. 
or as like Austin Mar Aston Martin's got theirs as well. Like something where it's not like a team based, it's more like manufacturer based, like Mercedes. Right. Because Red Bull's just an energy drink that throws a billions and billions of dollars at a car, at four cars technically that make them a ton of money. All right, guys. Uh, next up, uh, it's good to be the king because uh, Keegan Leahy, who just won the uh, Coke Series championships, he's still getting swag for his championship win. Um, he just posted on Twitter a picture of uh, this new Coca-Cola uh, cooler that showed up at his doorstep. So uh, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good deal. Now it's a it's an old school looking Coca-Cola cooler, but it's actually a Yeti forty five. Um, Tundra, which is a uh, retails at three hundred bucks, and that's that's for the basic one. This this Coca Cola theme one probably would go even more than that. So that's a nice little little uh, little gig he got there. That is nice, three hundred dollar cooler. Wow, my my wife wants one of those so bad. Yeah, yeah I, I I didn't even look at the tag on his picture where it says Yeti Tundra forty five, and I was like, oh, that's a Yeti. I, I know that's expensive, so I looked it up. Man, that's a three hundred dollar retail. Um, so man, that's cool. Four hundred dollars Canadian. Holy crap! It's four hundred dollars Canadian. They sell like a lunchbox, a Yeti lunchbox. It's like eighty bucks or something. Well, the, what are you paying for with Yeti? I know the Yeti ice that doesn't melt for <laughs> you five get the days. Sticker. You get the sticker to put on the back of your your suburban. We have that. It's called winter ice that doesn't melt for for uh, six months. So whenever you need ice for your for your soda, you just go out and with a chisel. Yeah, but you're not supposed to go up there. That's that that snow is not no good, especially the yellow stuff. Is this another hashtag soon? Well, it, they've taken a little bit more than a chisel actually to this uh, track. It looks like they're changing spa quite a bit. There's been a concern of a lot of uh, severe accidents at Blasphemont for one, and. Um, so they're extending some of the runoff areas. They, uh, for example, at the source, they're making that one a little bit bigger. They're changing some of the runoff areas back to gravel, um, all in the name of safety. And also, I think they're wanting to have bikes there. And so they're being required to make these changes to, to be certified to run the bikes. Well, if the bikes go up over <laughs> on Rouge, they ain't coming. They're going to end up in the crowd on the far end going over that top part. So it's obviously got to be more straight. It, it, obviously, they're going to be losing the full art, or arch at the top of the hill. They're not changing the track. They're just changing the runoffs. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, so, I wonder if this is, requires a scan for it. That's what I was just about to say. Rescan, or can they just take do it off pictures and stuff? Well, I'm sure they're not going to travel to do it, so maybe it will have to be done off of drawings or something, right? Or they can pay somebody to scan it. True. Okay, I, I only say this in half jest. If they do a rescan, do we keep the old spa? Because it's a classic. <laughs> it's a classic course. You know, I mean that's, that's a true. classic track. Come this on, Dave. Well, well there isn't lists as he can. It, especially if it's a rescan, yeah, I think so because that this would be so much of a drastic change. Um, whereas Glenn, the Glenn was just putting it was just changing the runoffs. And in this case, yeah, they're just changing the runoffs too, but oh. these runoffs you could use a lot. The, the first picture though is grandstands. They're they're actually putting in a, a major grandstands there. Yeah, because that's a straight you want to have 
you know, be watching from. That's why they're putting that in, right? Um, to, to what you're saying, sorry, Brian, I'm still chuckling at that, but um, come on, you can't. Be, I, you can't I would be think they just add another tab, so it'd be like old, like classic spa. Because if it's only this one area that they're changing, like it doesn't really have to. I don't know. It's tough because if they're remodeling different parts of the track with different things on the outside, it's a full, it's a whole new track. Whereas, you know, when you're racing like something at Watkins Glen, it's like adding the boot and things like that. It's not like a, it's something that's there, but they just change the barriers, right? It's a little bit different when, you know, you're adding more things to the outside of the track visually, right? But if the track surface isn't changing, I would think you could do it with photos. You could, if they're all they're doing is, well, they're making some of the the runoffs a little bit wider and and just changing it back to gravel. So they could do it with the old scan. All right, moving uh, on. We're going to do a poem. It looks like, huh? And we're all color coded, but we didn't don't know who's which color. Well, I'll start off. This is uh, in the spirit of the holiday. David wasn't it's, listening. We have a, a a song or a poem, as David would call it, by Clement Clark Moore called. "'Twas the racing sim before Christmas. "'Twas the night before Christmas when all through my nest. "'Not a sim was playing, not even Wreckfest. "'The wheelbases were all left turned off and bare "'in hopes that a new wheel soon would be there. "'It's probably time to retire to my bed, "'but ideas for setup tweaks are dancing in my head. "'As Mama looks at statements, her finger does tap.' You remind her it came out of a bonus. I promise, no cap. From force feedback clipping, those arose such the clatter. I hit the escape key to see what was the matter. Into the settings, my cursor flew like a flash. I would get a DD if I only had the cash. I mapped an ECU button to change on the go. What that actually does, I only pretend to know. When, what? To my sim racing eye should appear a heavy square box, but what type is not yet clear? A new semi-cube wheel sure would be slick, or a DD2 base. Those things are sick, but my expectations will still need to be tame because my gift might actually be something lame. With new gear across the finish line, I would fly up high on my podium to the rookies. I'd say bye. I'd feel so cool with gear shiny and new. Come to think of it, I might need racing gloves too. Thinking of tin tops. Yes, cars with a roof. I can't focus on dinner. My attention is aloof. Dreaming of my RSR driving round and round. There is nothing better than the sweet Porsche sound. A nice racing boot would look nice on this foot. <laughs> but in... If not for if none are coming, my then my socks will stay put. On Boxing Day, the Nordschleifer I'll attack using cars I bought in a down DLC pack. Driving a stick shift will someday be merry, but learning to blip shift sure can be scary. What's the best looking sim car? I do not know, but I definitely isn't the GT4 Expo. Simming an S car. An F1 car can be so much work. Each time it oversteers, the steering gets a jerk. That's what she said. My next piece of sim gear, who really knows? With that, So with that said, I'll bring this pillow up to a close. May your new sim gear be clean 
as a whistle. May your car on track be fast as a missile. May your holiday sim racing be full of delight. Happy Christmas to all. And to all a good night. Bravo. Pretty good. I got a couple chuckles out of that. So that was um, a poem um, written by Clement Clark Moore. So uh, he uh, he posted this in a website and uh, Mike found it and thought it was pretty cool. So thank you, Clement. It was very cool. All right. Brian, what 2021 sim racing accomplishment are you most proud of? Now, I want to take a quick guess before you speak. I think it might have happened in the last few days. Am I right? Um, that's actually a close call because I'm oh, not I sure forgot just, about uh, this doesn't son. count. I really think if if since I didn't race it with my son, you'd be right. But as far as the uh, the joy that I got, it, it was watching my son win one of the races in that uh, kids race that he did. Okay, I yeah, I forgot about that, but yeah, that was a special moment for sure. David, what do you got? Probably taking a top split win in uh nis that was big huge huge big for our team i I think it's a first for this team greg uh for 2021 i think my i have two but it's hard to pick between the two i my first one that comes to mind is obviously the championship in the league race uh for uh, fast track but i still think i'm the accomplishment of racing for second place last year or in the in the early on in the year for the Rolex 24 racing those NASCAR drivers and, and IndyCar drivers um, all night was probably one of the best and most, most fun I've had on the sim in a long time. So I think that's a big accomplishment for me. I think I remember Daytona more than anything. Yeah. When the NASCAR drivers are watching Greg Heck this line, trying to figure out how he's so fast. Yeah. That's saying something. Yeah. If you're at a new year's Eve party and you're talking to your buddies and and what story are you going to tell them about I racing first? That's going to be it, right? If I had friends to go anywhere, we weren't locked in our homes. <laughs> Good point. So I ran, I won uh, Daytona 500, Richmond, and uh, the Southern 500. So I got to say the Southern 500. Um, but Tony Groves and I were talking this week about Daytona. Um, and I reminded Tony, I mean, he won this year. And that's obviously his moment, but uh, he's trying to go back to back. And, uh, and then I realized I'm actually uh, going for four in a row. Um, so this year was three in a row. And so this 2022 Daytona 500 will be four in a row. I've actually won five. Uh, I won, I think it was 2016. I didn't win 2017, but I won 2018, 2019, 2020. 20, well, wait, no, no, it was the last three years, and I missed a year, and that was the year before. So I guess I said it wrong, but but yeah, so I'm, I'm looking for four in a row this year, and so, wow, I can't believe it. So good luck to Tony Groves on his back-to-back, and maybe he can get to four in a row. Well, Greg, tell us about this uh, Williams Esport Lounge. So this, isn't some, this wasn't that company that was building one, was it, that we covered on here? Was it Williams? No, that was Apex. Okay, so this is a different one. Okay, so this eSports for the Williams eSport Lounge, and they really, really have the word lounge great there because some of these pictures of the setup that they have is unbelievable. Like, (laughs) could you imagine having, what is there, four, there's eight 
eight rigs, ten, maybe ten rigs, all sitting front or you know facing each other, with uh, all the units in the center, and and then the room is just filled with there's hardware and helmets on the back wall. There's um, trophies. It looks like there's a there's another area like a race control. It reminds me of a race control, doesn't it? Uh, where they have a bar stool area. Kind of a bar area. Yeah. Yeah. And and then their lounge area is just awesome. And it looks like they have obviously seating there for like a theater seating to watch some esports stuff too. So awesome. And some F1 I'm, sorry, I'm jealous. That's that's the ultimate place to go out and hang, don't you guys think? Well, the only thing I wonder though is are those really single monitor setups? They are, and they're play seat. Uh, rigs with the thing in in between your legs. Yeah, that's the Williams branded ones too, right? Yeah, I like the way that they 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 did it though. Five on one side, five on the other, facing each other, and there's a big uh, wood container thing in the middle in between them that obviously holds all the computers and stuff. It's so clean looking because they're all on platforms. They have a they have a single. It looks like obviously a single set of wires that comes from the platform to the unit that runs the you know obviously runs everything in the center. I mean, could you imagine with all this stuff running at the same time, the heat that that room would produce? That must have one hell of a HVAC system just to get well, heat out of there. You can see the the vents in the roof above. It looks like they're they are uh, beefed up uh, AC unit. I, I'm just at awe with that lounge area where you can just sit. You got that tro- huge trophy case, and then the sitting area. Are pretty cool. I didn't know what to think about this one, David. Well, it can be done. You can race F or you can race F1 or race any car, I guess, with a controller. And AJ Henderson posted a video of it. Uh, he didn't show the whole race. It's clipped down to about three minutes and twenty seconds. But if you go through, he shows a couple of mistakes. Um, and it's doable, but I just can't imagine how much harder it is to be precise with with a controller compared to to better equipment. The problem with the controller, David, is is the input on the steering is to try and get it. You know, it's it's more of a jerky uh, movement than uh, a smooth movement, right? Well, you don't have anything resisting the turn at all. You don't, and you're actually having to hold it in the air as well. Right, it's not even on. So, I don't. I mean, cool, but uh, not interesting to me. I know there's things that you can get. I, I don't know if you guys have seen it. There's those uh, adapters that you can put on, like these controllers that uh, make it look like a steering wheel, um, but that attaches to the front of it. You can just it's like a knob to turn as a steering wheel. But I just don't. From what uh, uh, Tony said that he 3D printed one of them for a controller and it just didn't make it feel like a steering wheel no matter what. So I want to point out the overlay in the bottom left. He's got an overlay that shows the controller and his inputs on the controller, which is kind of interesting. Um, he's not too bad with the controller. Um, you know, like he, like David said, he does make some mistakes and stuff. But I tell you what, there's people out there like... Uh, my old friend uh, Carlos Fonseca, who used to be on this podcast so for a very long time, uh, he has disabilities, and he actually runs with a controller because of that. He can't use a wheel and pedals, and so um, and he is uh, very good on iRacing. His i rating is probably around four or five thousand, so uh, he's really good, and he runs a controller. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it can definitely be done. I think the problem is that the learning curve is too steep. Um, and, you know, when people, if people do it for the first time or, or don't really put a lot of effort into into it, they, they it just, you make too many mistakes. Right. And Carlos Fonseca, he's been using the controller his whole life because that's all he, he can use uh, because of his disability. So, um, and so, yeah, I mean, it, you get really good after a while, I, I presume. All right, Brian, it's uh, time for some Word of Outlaws. Yeah, so uh, the World of Outlaws were actually off the week before last, uh, just like we were. But um, they were back up on Monday night racing at Knoxville for week six. Um, so we'll just hit, hit, hit this one pretty quick this week. Um, Alex Bergeron, he actually uh, wins the qualifying. So he starts on the pole in heat one. He wins the heat one, and he leads all the laps of, uh, the, of the feature. So um, he pretty much dominated, but not really because um, – he was actually had a had like a two second lead in front of uh, Hayden Carwell with like uh, with like just about a handful of laps to go, and he ran him down in no time. And uh, there was actually a pretty big incident where uh, Alex came out of the came out of the one of the turns, and uh, and uh, Hayden Carwell was running the high line and tried to go around him, and he just pinched him in the wall, and Cardwell went flying. So. Um, I think there was uh, some some bad blood on after that one because that was, didn't look very pretty on on the camera. In the post race interview, Alex Bergeron said that man, I'm sorry, I, I apologize. He said he didn't see him come up that that uh, road, uh, that side of him. So, um, but he does take the win, and with that win, he takes over the points lead again. So he had a real bad bad week two weeks ago when he lost connection and wound up finishing halfway down the, almost to the end of the field. So, uh, he's worked his way back with some, with some good luck with some of the other drivers because the uh, leader of the, uh, series coming into this race was, uh, Cameron Merriman. And, uh, man, he had a terrible heat race. Didn't make the feature won his, um, his, uh, consolation race started at the very back of the field. He worked his way up to midway pack, which was pretty impressive, but, it wasn't enough, you know. You get points for winning the heat race, and uh, he lost a lot of points in the feature, and that was enough for Alex Bergeron to take a six-point lead after week six, heading into uh, Cedar Lake Speedway. So, uh, one quick other story I want to tell tell you guys about this race is um, the driver who was uh, fourth in standings going into this race. His name is a young kid named Logan Rumsey. He was uh, he was fourth in points, and uh, he actually did this race. Uh, from a hotel room, an Airbnb at in Tulsa, because he's getting ready to race the Tulsa shootouts where the Chili Bowls run. So he actually took his sim, some sim equipment with him on the road to do this race from a, a hotel room, basically. Um, um, it didn't work out real well for him. He 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 missed he uh, he uh, didn't qualify for the feature and didn't qualify in the consolation race. You know, I can't imagine, you know, just trying to set something in a hotel and being as comfortable and fast as you are in your main rig at home. So um, that was really cool that he attempted them to do that. And uh, good luck to him in the Tulsa shootout where the Chili Bowls run. Yep. I've been watching social media. Healy Deegan is running. Kyle Bush, Brexton Bush, of course, Christopher Bell. I think Chris Bell has been struggling a bit this week so far. Um, Larson back again? He's got to be. He must be there. I didn't see him, though, yet. So uh, after that, I'll I'll actually uh, go to the next topic, which is the iRacing Chili Bowl Nationals. That's that's, uh, the last of the special events of the calendar year for – 
for iRacing. Um, and uh, the win goes to Ethan Uyi. He, uh, he's the champion for 2021. Um, it was a really close race with uh, actually Logan Rumsey, the, the gentleman, the young guy who I was just talking to you about. He actually uh, won the race last year, and he was in second place, trying to run him down, and uh, made some contact with uh, on the last lap to try to make a desperation move to try to to get the win, and it was spun himself out. So it was a real close race, uh, actually, a real tight finish. Um, and uh, congratulations to Ethan Uyi. And um, you know Logan Rumsey now he's getting ready to do the uh, the the uh, Tulsa shootout, and you know he's probably got thousands and thousands of laps on this uh, virtual track. And uh, you know if it's anything like last year, they actually formed the real track to match the iRacing track um, when they were having problems earlier in the week. So uh, so uh, good luck to Rums- Logan for that. And uh, you know let's see how well iRacing can uh, can uh, come through with. Uh, to help him out in this race. I'd have to speculate that this year, so they don't have a repeat of last year, that they probably used the iRacing blueprints, so to speak, from the beginning. Yeah, that's a very possible, yeah. Let's get into special events. We got the six hours of Daytona for diabetes on January 7th, 2022. Uh, we're just under two weeks away from Freaky Fast Broadcasting. They're going to be hosting this charity event to help raise awareness and hopefully donations for juvenile type 1 diabetes. Uh, this event will be a six-hour endurance race at Daytona with the same cars from the official 24-hour. It will be January 7th, 8 p.m. Eastern. Additional uh, information can be found at the links below. We are at 30 of the 60 possible teams uh, signed up with uh, 13 days before the race. So we got links on the script. Uh, or go find Freaky Fast Broadcasting on the Facebook. You only have till the first, of, or no, the sixth. Oh, so this is the sixth. Okay, you got until the sixth to still sign up. The next special event coming up is the first event on the 2022 calendar for iRacing. Uh, it's the iRacing Roar. It's coming in 2022. It's the solo endurance event that kicks off the special events. It's two and a half or two point four hours, and it features the GT fours, the touring cars, and the Global MX five. And it'll be the fourteenth through the sixteenth of January. I definitely will be trying that one just to try out the uh, touring cars there. And Greg, uh, it looks like you got the other biggie. So we got the uh, official word here of the iRacing Daytona twenty four hour special event. So this will be on the twenty first to the twenty third um weekend uh time slots are pretty much the same as always for the endurance race so uh friday night at 2200 gmt saturday at seven o'clock in the morning gmt saturday at noon gmt and saturday at four o'clock in the afternoon gmt uh bring up some more details here uh obviously it's going to be the imsa cars uh, like they normally have for here. So it's the Delara uh, LMP2. I got the GTD, as they're calling them, the Audi R8, the BMW M4, uh, Ferrari 488 Evo, Lamborghini uh, GT3, the McLaren MP4 12C GT3, Mercedes GT3, and then the 99 or the Borsche 911 GT3. Uh, Stop and goes are after 100 uh, incidents, and then 20 
uh, and then 20 after that. There's no limit for the DQ, and the field sizes are 50. So uh, it'd be good. Uh, warm up is 30 minutes before before the race, and an eight minute qualifying for two laps. So, Team Tavosi. I mean, what do we have? Well, we started planning a little bit. Um, David, uh, what what car and who do you got on your lineup so far? Well, Team Real Fun will have. Uh, we've got either four or five drivers. Depending on if Tom it's realistic fun, we need to have realistic <laughs> fun. Um, it depends on if Tom has to work casino that weekend or not. Uh, but yeah, we're we'll run the LMP two, and uh, it's going to be all Tafosi guys this time. I think. Well, we're we're we get, we're bringing in a, a guest. Lucky. Yeah, we're bringing in a lucky our, guest. Our so. lucky charm. Okay, and then we'll have a second car, Team Fun, which I think. What did Rochette say? The the Ferrari? Evo? Yeah, he did. David, they're trying to get flowers at a retirement for that, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) So I might take a stint in that car. They need something to start it. I I did a stint last year in that car, so I'll probably do a couple stints, uh, hopefully. All right, the last event is iRacers Lounge New Year's Bash. Uh, We're going to host up uh, on New Year's Eve a bunch of short races and hosted. Uh, so far, we're going to have Gen 5, ARCA, COT, Xfinity, 20-lapper at Old Daytona. Then we're going to have a 20-lapper figure eight with some multi-class cars, maybe the pro truck. We also talked about maybe pro Mazda at Michigan, and we talked about radicals at Darlington. I guess what we really should have titled this is the iRacers Lounge Aftermath New Year's Bash. It's both, yeah. Shows. Tony Rochette's kind of putting it together, or the aftermath iRacers Lounge New Year's Bash. That's kind of but his we, role. He comes up with the special events that all the hosted stuff now heard the cats, as they, as they call it. Okay, so Aaron, we want the listeners to join us. So, New Year's Eve, guys, come out, find us and hosted. I think Tony Rochette will be the host. It'll be, uh, you know, we'll have right iRacers Lounge listed in the description. So you can do a search for it. But these are going to be short races. Uh, we're going to do them one after another and uh, and kill a couple hours and have some fun as a group. And we want to do it with you listeners. So let's fill the rooms, guys, and have fun. Okay, housekeeping. Don't forget that Aftermath podcast. I think they got a recording coming up this weekend, I hope. And uh, don't forget our website at theiracerslounge.com. And we are on the Performance Motorsports Network. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Kicking off the hardware, we're going to kick off, start out with a Toyo Sim company review. And just taking a look at the site, the featured item on our page is a handbrake. But when I looked at the site, I, I actually liked look, looking at the shifters and was looking at this cover design for the Max H pattern shifter and noticed that there's a there's kind of a, just a nice little cut in the design that makes you less likely to accidentally shift from third to second, or at least I hope it would, the way it's shaped there. Yeah, this is a fascinating website, toyosim.com. I love the sim racing window net for only $36, but you can get it in blue, red, or black, and it's a as, as I describe, a sim racing window net. It doesn't really have a way of 
installing it, so to speak. But uh, yeah. Brian will find somehow how to get it on his rig. Perfect for VR. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What other products do you like? Right, Brian? Yeah, I can make it flap if I turn it up real high. I guess if David got it, it would just automatically disconnect whenever it wanted to. It would fall on my knee. (laughs) Yeah, but they got shifters, handbrakes, shifter knobs, uh, belts. And I think these are, I'm not sure, but I think it's from China. And I think I found this on a Facebook page and they were talking about, you know, how, how is the quality on these handbrakes? Because they are, you know, seven, you know, really cheap. Like the, the one that's called the RASTP Sim Racing Handbrake is from only $29. I mean, you can get these things very inexpensive. It's actually out of Melbourne, Australia. Oh, it is. It's I wonder what ship, but it says free shipping too. It's kind of funny that uh, we see a lot of these these shift or uh, handbrake uh, things for the PC. Obviously, we don't use a lot of it for sim racing, for our sim racing, for iRacing. But um, there are some dedicated sims that just have drift, drifting and need these things for it. Uh, so, you know, is it a need for iRacing sim? No, but is it a need for other other sims it's definitely uh covered for that right yeah it's used in uh rally cross isn't it if i remember correctly a lot of people say don't use it like crazy right the fast guys in rally don't use it i just use the you can just use the fanatec shifter and put it sequential and do it that's what i always do now in the interest of time we're going to jump around I want to cover this one we got a, a email from a listener scott valles about the butt kicker and so i wanted to talk a little bit about his email and uh my response to it and then get your guys input as well um he said if you haven't tried it yet you should try david tucker's lfe shaker implementation instead of sim hub is what he's referring to it has multiple advantages over sim hub the key features of David's LFE are delay, less delay. Uh, he's saying the third-party software like SimHub has to use the uh, iRacing SDK, which only updates on a periodical timer. Um, and then access to internal physics data, meaning the LFE has access to important tire slip data that is never exported uh, via the SDK. And so he's basically saying it's better to not use the SimHub. So... What do you guys think? Uh, I haven't tried SimHub. The LFE works just fine for me. Um, my my only question would be: Does it support multiple uh, butt kickers? Because I'm running with multiple butt kickers, and I don't know if they're separate separate channels. See, that's the thing that that I would have a problem with is because you know I like to have you know with SimHub you can you can you can set a left side, a right side, rear, left side, rear, front, right, you know, so you can get different effects on different parts of the car. And um, so with a single, with a single um, output like this, you don't get that, that kind of individualized uh, uh, feedback. So basically in the, basically the, the SIM right now as, as is, it only has a single operation and then you have to go a third party if you want to do what you're saying there, Brian. Or what I'm yeah. doing, which is, I'm doing something a little unique because 
I got two speakers behind my triples, but I also have a living room subwoofer on the ground in front. And my LFE is actually feeding that subwoofer, okay, from the sims to the sub. And that's part of my audio. I mean, it, it's, not a, it's not a shake. It's audio that I'm getting from that. And, and I know it's not supposed to be used that way, but I've used it that way since he put it out. And I actually got it tuned where I really like the sound of it. I really turn it up loud. And then I put the butt kicker on SimHub with a separate sound card. So the butt kicker would have the same effect if I turn my master volume up or down. And that's the problem I have using the LFE. As you turn your volume up and down, it turns the LFE up and down with it. And so when my wife goes to bed and I got to turn everything down so she can sleep, I couldn't feel the butt kicker anymore. So, so that's the reason I went with Sim Hub. That's the reason I went with a separate sound card. So the butt kicker would still work at 100%, even though the volume is really soft in the room. My last uh, question about that is, um, it doesn't seem like it, but does there's, Sim Hub has a, a free version, and then they have a pay version, which supposedly is faster for, I don't know if that's just faster for like your, um, your readouts on your uh, screen and stuff like that or not. I don't know if that affects the LFE signals or not, but um, it just be a question I, I'm not sure about. And I'm running the free version, and honestly, I have not even noticed any latency. Now, it could be that, you know, I don't, I don't recognize it, but I haven't noticed. Or you don't know the difference because you hadn't had it directly. But, right. right. It's interesting. It would it would it would be something I would try if I didn't have that issue with uh, the multiple multiple outputs. Okay, so as far as the tire slip and I'm missing that in the butt kicker, I mean that is a little bit of a concern, but overall I'm very pleased with how the butt kicker turned out. With and I'm not thinking I'm going to change how it's wired. I thought I thought SimHub has an output that's supposedly for slips, but. I don't know if they're if it's software generated or if it's directly from the sim. Like he he's saying that sim. Well, he's saying out. there's he's saying there's a more advanced data that's not being shared. So there's there's a part where if it did get shared, it would give them it'd be too much knowledge having it. It would and they're doing it so it doesn't. There's no cheating involved. Gotcha. Because you you could use that signal to a bunch of other things, not just the vibration effects, to let you know that you might be losing losing uh, contact, losing grip, which makes sense. So it's hard to say. Okay, so, and then one more uh, hardware, David. Uh, let's talk about the BMW wheel. All right, uh, Fanatec has revealed it. It's the new M4 GT3 Podium Hub, which it's already sold out at minutes after its introduction. Yeah, I couldn't believe it sold out so quick. I mean, I, I want, did anyone have any idea how many there were? It'd be interesting to see what the amount was because at that price, that's kind of crazy to be sold out of it. Yeah, see, I would, I would get this before I would get the Bentley, I think. I don't know. I like, I like how it looks better. Plus, I don't care. It, uh, well, I don't need a display. Um, it's a nice layout. All the button thumb buttons are pretty easy to reach. It's got three rotaries and two rotaries up up thumb rotaries, and it looks like uh, you have. Um, I can't tell if it's pedals or two or three on the back. Oh, yep, three. Nope, just two. 
I it's don't got, know. But they're it's got it's got shifting in analog, but no no third, but it does have the analog pedals down at the bottom for like launching. David, do you think with your because you have the F one or not the F one, but the the rate the road version that has it's pretty much like this setup. I mean, it's obviously not BMW branded, but that runs what four hundred. I know yours was you got three hundred. What you're doing it's like three hundred dollars, like. You just does this really worth an extra thousand dollars? No, no, it's that's the thing I don't get. I mean, you're paying for the BMW logo, but I can't justify that kind of price tag. Can you? But no. if you're going to pay that kind of money, any I mean, wouldn't you pick Cube Control? There's or a lot of Gomez. Yes, Gomez. Yeah, yeah. The, the Gomez one's it's nicer have in this. Play in it, then, right? Was, would the Gomez work on a podium hub or podium wheelbase? I think they all do. Yeah, I think there's ways to make that work. Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, so like I said, I'm I'm, try, I'm liking the Bentley one because I like that cool round display thing, gyroscope display thing in the middle, kind of unique look to it. Um, so I don't know if I'm I have the money to do it, but we'll see. I honestly think, Mike, for the amount of time you spend on road. You'd just be better off to end up buying what David has as a road rim for yourself instead of – I know you want the glitz and the glamour of that Bentley thing. I just don't think it will give you anything extra that for the extra price that that's going to cost you. Just make True. sure you get the one with the advanced pedal module so that you can do the launch control easier. I was trying to talk somebody into the team in buying a new wheel and, let, and then selling me their old one. Well, that, that's about as good as it, when you try to talk us into pitting when we shouldn't. <laughs> now, to wrap up hardware, let's talk about your recent purchase, David. Let's dig into that a little bit. Well, I, all right. I, I got two. Um, my mount for my butt kicker broke. Like, the bolt literally just broke in half or, or towards the end. And it wasn't terrible. I mean, it, yeah, it, it broke and it kept rotating as well because, you know, it was screwed down. So I, I just went to Lowe's and just wandered the store until something came to me. And I ended up in the garage section and actually bought a handle. I posted a picture on it. We actually should put it on the script. I bought just a like a fencing handle, like for opening a fence door. And I it had it has mounting holes and I mounted that on onto the rig and, and it was the right thickness to mount the butt kicker on and it holds it kind of oriented differently and it, it stays put and it actually is transferring a lot more of the vibration than the other way was. So that was a very uh, good DIY solution. And then um, I did finally give in after testing everything, including a different motherboard um, and retired the rift S and I now have a reverb G2 and I've got it working most things on it. I like better. The big drawback is that sweet spot zone that you can't. So I had to move my, uh, my relative into the middle instead of off, off to the side, because if it, when it was off to the side side, it was out of focus. So it's like sitting halfway on my mirror, but uh, a couple of features I really do like about it. Of course it, it doesn't lose tracking every other race. Um, but I can actually have the JRT, overlay in the windshield now because it actually will take overlays that have transparencies and and keep the transparency so i can have the flashing arrows in in the windshield instead of down low out of the way reverb and that fixed the problem so you you had tried everything 
but that was what the fix was. It was the rift that was the problem, right? Yeah, either the cable or the or the headset, one of the two. So it's in the uh, it's in the closet up on a shelf as a backup, as an emergency backup. All right, and then uh, Greg, you're thinking about hardware. Do you? I don't know if you want to talk about it. Yeah, I'm in the early stages of uh, going through figuring out uh, a new rig for myself, just because. I want to get a new seat and everything, uh, and you know, I I I bought this back in. Fuck, I've been running a play seat, play seat almost five years now, and I think it's time to switch over to something more sturdy and something better uh, equipped for um, having a keyboard stand, having a mouse tray, everything attached to it that I could that I don't have to, uh, um, you know, something that makes more sense for myself. Now that I have the studio set up, I want to make sure that the racing rig's different. So I got, uh, I've been looking into uh, uh, advanced sim racings here in Canada to go from them because uh, it's a little bit cheaper to buy from Canada if I don't have to pay the U.S. cost because that would, I pay, I pay my tax plus the duty fees and everything like that and all that stuff on it. It's just, it's just astronomical to ship it here. So, um, I'll go through this site and they have free shipping, so it shouldn't be too bad. Um, going to be dealing or getting some help from Mike. You sent me some stuff on what I, what some stuff to look for and what I need. And Bobby, uh, Bobby and I are going to look into it. I just talked to him a little bit earlier about uh, getting together with him on TeamSpeak here at some point this weekend or next weekend and go through some stuff. I got to be in contact with that actual site too and just ask some questions to uh, them too about some of their stuff. I mean, Advanced Sim Racing was a, a close second or third on my choice of rig. Uh, the ASR6 with the pretty colors. Uh, you were kind of looking at the ASR4 because you're not worried about the color, and, and that's a good affordable choice. But don't forget that that Grid Engineering is out of Canada. They sell SimLab. So if you want SimLab, you can get it uh, via Canada through Grid Engineering. Yeah, they're sold out right now. I'd love to get a SimLabs, but they were sold out too, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Everything that was showing, I'm going to be in contact with both sites just to get ask some questions on stuff. What, what was the site that you said you emailed and they said they put something up after you said it was, it was something of stock? Oh, it was great engineering. Like uh, when I bought, the rig was available, but like uh, the monitor mount or something wasn't. So I emailed them like, hey, I'm about to spend a bunch of money and uh, you have this one thing out of stock, but I need it. And he's like, oh. Well, I'll, I'll make it where it's not out of stock and you go ahead and buy it and I'll figure out a way to get it to you. So, yeah, they worked with me even though it was out of stock and I was able to get what I needed. I wonder if they just sent their supplier to send it straight from you to you, right? Instead Drop of ship to or something. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Anyways, like they yeah, I'm gonna they had on. like SimLab ship it directly or something. Yeah, I'll... Uh... I'll uh, definitely uh, be in contact with both of them. Just send them some inquiries and some certain things and see, you know, if the SimLabs one, like I'm really actually interested in the SimLabs one, if they're going to be in stock anytime soon. It might not hurt to touch base and just get a verbal, hey, when are you going to have stock and that kind of thing. Because like you, like you said, if, if you prefer the SimLab, I mean, I, I mean, that was my first choice. It was David's choice too and uh, a few other people on our team. I mean, I'm in no rush. I mean, my birthday's coming up this month. I guess my wife owes me a little bit of something here, so we'll see if I can uh, swing it by of getting a new, uh, a new rig here. 
All right, let's jump to results. Uh, now, with the holiday and taking the week off, I didn't record a lot of results, but let's go through what we do have. Let's talk uh, winter NIS, North Wilkesboro, P15. I was fast, I was able to move forward, and I eventually took the lead and led some laps. I was involved in several of the cautions, though, uh, and my incident count was high. 30 to go, I did my last stop for tires while others stayed out. As I was coming back up through the field with about 10 to go, I got wrecked one more time and had to do a drive-through penalty. Ugh. Greg, uh, what'd you get? Uh, I raced a lot of LMP1s with David this week. I think that's the most I think. No, I, I thought you raced. ran North Wilkesboro, right? Uh, I, I haven't, no, we ran North Wilkesboro two weeks ago, didn't it? It was probably over two weeks ago, right? Well, yeah, see, but we, we didn't do that. Remember, we have two weeks of results that's here. That's true, that's so. true. I forgot it. We forgot to have us. I, I think it finished, what, sixth in that race? Fifth or sixth uh, in that race. And uh, I don't know. I had it worse than me. It was the worst luck for the first little while that race. I couldn't get back on the lead lap. I got lapped down and just couldn't get it back and then got lucky near the end. I was racing David a lot for the lucky dog. And I don't know, did David, did you get yours back eventually? Yeah, I did. Um, yeah. Were we in the same race this? All you put down was please <laughs> on the results. I didn't do it. I hadn't put anything in the results. Right. Yeah, David, you got P8 though. Yeah, I, I did run well. I had early trouble on the first green flag stop. Sim racing apps did not beep. And I blasted right through and lost a lap as a result. Um, and then I got caught up in a wreck. Or no, yeah, I lost it again after getting caught up in a wreck, got it back again, and then raced back up to eighth. All right. And I had fun with that that North Wilkesboro. Uh, I, ran, let's... I ran on Sunday as well and came in P5, same track. Didn't that, you know, that was the one, that was the one that we had a lot of uh, tire wear. Well, the car has a lot of tire wear, yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I think we were down to like, on one of the runs there, I can remember I was down to like, I wanted to say like 20% on one of the tires because one of the runs we had. Probably. All right. Uh, unofficial. I ran a bunch of trading off on Delara Dash at Charlotte and then Pickup Cup at Daytona like all day long uh that's why i saw kyle bush in the pickup cup but uh i don't think i actually won any i had a bunch of close calls though but most of those times i get you get wrecked out lap one or so and you just wait till the next start and try again yeah we didn't write it down but in the euro sprint series at le mans both greg and i everyone uh i picked up two wins and he picked up one and one of them david beat me uh, in a race there, we were battling it out, battling it out with that one guy and David got away from him. I pitted later and I came out, what was it four seconds behind you and another 10 seconds or eight seconds up on that guy that was trying to fight us and then eventually crashed out. But I think that I had, what was, I was in the, I was in the Audi, you're in the Porsche LMP1, two different cars, two different setups. And we were running probably at the same times giving up time to lap cars uh, or the slower cars in the different parts of the field. And then I think we ended the same gap, would have ended up the same gap uh, if I hadn't made a mistake on the last lap than what I came out of the pits to when, uh, you know, to what it was. So it could just never, it could never gain on you completely time-wise. Yeah, some of the, I was, felt good when I saw you coming out 
five seconds behind me, which is what it was. And then immediately I had a, uh, an LMP2 change lanes in the middle of a straightaway and, and cost me four seconds. So you were like, boom, right back on top. And it was a fight, the nerve wracking fight the whole time. And I just, I, I had to basically run it perfect and even make a few aggressive moves. There was one point where we both went between uh, a couple of GT3s that were driving side by side down the straightaway. Or not GTE, not three. Okay, let's talk uh, Winter League Phoenix. Uh, Garrett Maines was on pole. He led most of the race and won. Christian Challenger, he started in the back but finished second. I finished P21. That's about what I deserve. Uh, it was green flag all the way. I have a problem remembering to turn on my fan when I race for some reason. And I was sweating like a pig at the end of this race. I couldn't get out of the seat fast enough. I was just dripping with sweat. Uh, David, you had a little bit better race, but it, boy, it, it's a stacked field. P17. Actually, P16. P17 was the week before. So, yeah, a small difference. Oh. Uh, yeah, this one was costumes free, and I basically had to claw to just to stay 16th. Um, never really passed anybody that I that qualified better than me, and only people that passed me were all the the top level guys that like to not qualify and race up through the field. Uh, and then the week before, I don't remember what we were at Pocono. Uh, P7, oh, yeah. P17. I got caught up in the late wreck, but was never really higher than 12th. Same thing. I mean, it's a tough league. So if you get a top 10, you've had a really good day. Yeah, it's kind of fun to run with the staff and other people in there like uh, Garrett Mains and, and whatnot. Let's talk a couple weeks of OBRL results. Uh, two weeks ago, um, well, well, first of all, we had the, uh, the truck series, Brian Lindsay. Uh, wins at Talladega, Lee Wurzel second, Dwayne MacArthur third, and then uh, and then this week it was Eddie Jones, Dwayne MacArthur, and Carl Burke at Dover for the Aftermath Truck Series. Now, the big race was Arca and uh, Brian. Tell us how you did. So uh, Monday night was UBRL race Arca Series at Daytona, and I brought home the checker. Right. So uh, yeah, so I took the win. For my that was my first OBRL win. Um, I, I really appreciate everybody that was in the Discord channel for uh, for both us and uh, and uh, the OBRL were congratulating me. It was really cool. Um, it was a cool. It was a good race. Um, I actually uh, I was running with Chris and Tony, so uh, we had some teammates in there. Unfortunately, those guys didn't make it to the end. But um, yeah, I. I we were uh, we had some pretty good strategy. We made it through the first pit stops pretty well. I wound up um, I started pretty like in the middle of the pack, but I, I was able to move up. And uh, we had a caution with about 15 laps to go. And at the point I was uh, in uh, I was in started it in P5, so I was on the bottom and wound, managed to get like to the second place behind the. Uh, behind the leader we were running two lanes two two uh, lanes the whole whole 15 laps at the end there and i was on the bottom the second car back and um we were noticing that the the top line would would you know we would we would take we would pass we would pull ahead of the top line in the turns and then when you get to the straightaways they had all the momentum come off the top and they would pass us 
uh, into the entrance of the turn that we'd pull ahead uh, and at the start finish line it was like a toss-up who was actually ahead at that point more often than not it was actually the higher line so with five laps to go that car that was in front of me who was leading the inside line decided coming off the turn that he was going to change to the high line and finish his race on the high line because he thought uh, i'm assuming he thought that was going to be the way to win the race so i took the took the lead of the low line so last five laps that's exactly what happened same thing you know they would pull ahead a little bit um on the straights i would make it up and pass them on the on the curves and what kind of uh sealed it for me was when you're in the turn like when we go into the final turn of the race turn three and four i had the i had it pulled ahead of them because that's what had been happening and you know everybody else behind me kind of started getting a little desperate and people started making moves and uh they started having accident had a little had a little accident on the high line and so that kind of killed their momentum on the high line and uh, i was just able to just coast coast to the win so uh yeah it was a, it was a really cool race and uh it, it was i was pretty happy about that well a long time coming first win in the league uh those aren't easy to win i tell you what <laughs> yeah i mean i i'm trying not to give myself uh tell tell myself that it's a plate race so you know everybody's a little bit more equal a lot more equal than they are in some of these uh mom and halves and stuff that we go to regularly yeah but i've had some good races in those too i just never able to pull out a win but i'll take i'll take a, a restricted plate win no matter what i think chris scale said he wants an assist because he wrecked out a bunch of people <laughs> he did wreck out a few people we we worked that way towards the front and he tried to go three wide in the in the turn one and um the outside car just didn't give him room he was going up through the middle and it, he just didn't give him any room to go up the middle and then took a few cars out with him yeah all right and then you had a p9 for the obrl xfinity and a p3 i think in the previous week cup yeah, so um, all last week was all Talladega for OBL, OBRL in all the series. So uh, I got to run the truck race. Um, I was doing actually I had a good run going there. I just got I just got banged a couple of times um, with some accidents and just I wound up getting DQ'd out of there. And um, so that didn't work out too well. Uh, and then the uh, Xfinity race was Thursday night since we didn't have a show. I, I got to do that race and I finished P9. All these races, I felt like I was pretty strong and i was doing really well in these uh in these in these packs and then uh then uh sunday morning we ran the um we ran the cup cars at talladega and i got a p3 there um and uh it was actually probably my best race of the week in the uh, even the arca race because um my pit stops were really good chris was with me he's like how did you come out of that pit so quick and it was just i don't know i just got got lucky maybe but but um so but that was the only way to make up track position i had raced talladega in three different vehicles that week and and everybody was run you were able to run two or three wide in all this trucks xfinity you could run two wide three wide you could run three wide or two wide in the arcas but the cup cars you cannot run too wide we couldn't do it um so the only way to make up spots was on pit road and uh you know i had a couple really good really good pit stops um i got to pete i was actually running p2 in that race uh, in the in the cup race and we were just all single file nobody could do anything and you know i just decided 
at the uh, tri-oval I was going to try to pull out and see if somebody would go with me maybe I'll get lucky and get the win there but uh, it didn't happen and I fell back to third but it was just so frustrating running around that track in P2 knowing that there's no you can't get past the guy in front of you you just can't do it so uh, but other than that that was actually my better race to be honest with you alright well done uh, once you get one the floodgates open so uh, let's see what happens Let's talk uh, get her done racing. Uh, you got a P6 at the Glen, but started outside pole. Yeah, I uh, started outside pole at the Glen. Uh, they were off last Sunday, so this is actually from Sunday before last. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I typically don't qualify that fast. I think there were some probably some faster cars behind me. I don't usually qualify that high in road courses. But uh, so... I got a little pressure on me on like the second or third lap going into the uh, bus stop and overshot it a little bit and uh, lost a few positions. And I kind of just settled where I was and uh, it was a P6 and it was pretty uh, uneventful after that. But uh, I like the new I like the new configuration on the Glen. Um, it's, 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 uh, it's pretty cool to race there. And um, I think that uh, that's about where I deserve to finish was a P6. All right. Well, nice uh, on that qualifying too for a road course well done let's jump to final thoughts brian mckevin what are your final thoughts uh well i got a lot of work coming up for me i um i'm gonna be changing out my pc uh, i picked up a new one recently so um i was kind of concerned that my system was kind of overloaded with all the all the stuff that i have on it and i was getting some issues in my headset it seemed like too often where i would get stuttering and frame rate drops and stuff like that so um I haven't torn it, torn down my my uh, computer yet, but um, that's on the that's on the list of things to do real soon. And I just know I'm going to miss a couple of days or whatever setting a new one up. All right, planning for the future. Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Uh, I guess you know we talked about the uh, build uh, already, but uh, one thing that I wanted to shout out this week is I wanted to give a shout out to a listener. Um, I had posted uh, in our chat that uh, I was in a race with the LMP ones or the for the European uh, Sprint Series, and uh, a li- listener, Paul uh, Kissack, um, you know, I had passed him on the straights, and he goes, he goes, are you uh, Greg from the iRacers Lounge Pod? Are you the Greg Hectus from iRacers Lounge Podcast? And I said, yes, I am. He goes, I listen every week. Uh, it's nice to be racing with you. So I was like. Uh, I thought I'd give a shout out to him for uh, bringing that up. It's nice to uh, have a listener um, recognize you on the track and uh, you know go around the track. You know he he was a, a slower GTE car and uh, passed him, and he uh, was gracious enough to uh, let me buy it at the right time of the track. David knows where the wrong parts of the track was. He he did it the right way. Some guys don't, but uh, yeah, it was uh, good to hear from a listener uh, that listens to the show regularly. Yeah, that's always a nice to get recognized in a race. Uh, pretty cool. All right, David Hall, final thought? Well, it's definitely nice to uh, not have to worry about the crazy tracking issues going. Um, and that's really about it. Having fun doing a lot of road racing here in the offseason and excited to see the uh, new package get put into iRacing when, when they do get to it. Yeah, and that's my final thought is, man, NASCAR, NASCAR, NASCAR. I had lost hope for you guys. Uh, Whoever is the brain trust over there who had pushed 
this high, uh, low da uh, high horsepower, high uh, downforce package for the last two and a half years. Well, they're eating crow right now. Um, and I'm glad they are. I, I didn't think they'd ever back off from it, but whoever made those choices, um, I'm sorry for you and I'm happy for me. I, I want more horsepower than 670 though, you know? I, we want 900 in these cars, but hey, we'll take it. I mean, um, we've been running this car for a while. Nobody's liked it. So uh, what a relief that we might have something that's gonna be drivable for NIS this year. So looking forward to four in a row at the Daytona 500. I mean, I hope it's uh, feasible, um, but I'm gonna try my hardest. And with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.